Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you out here this morning. We're glad that you're here. Glad that you're able to be with us. I mentioned before the close of service last week that I didn't know what I was going to preach on. And in some way, I really don't yet. Uh, what I decided on is going back to our Sunday evening services. We were studying through the Bible. We were going on a journey through the Bible. And so we had made it to the book of Leviticus. And during quarantine, I got a little ahead on those lessons. And so I'm going to go back and at least do through the books of Moses, maybe get us through Deuteronomy, and then go back to, to normal lessons. This is not your typical sermon. This is not something that, that has a basic meaning necessarily that, that we take with us. It does in some way. Um, but it's more just a study of the Bible. And that, that was the, the point of the series that we began uh, a few months back. We had gotten to the middle of Leviticus. And I, I thought about going back and starting all over on Leviticus. Uh, but I don't see the need in necessarily doing that. So we're just going to pick up, pick up where we left off. And then we'll go from there. But we're looking at the book of Leviticus. And it is so titled because it pertains to the Levites. You'll recognize the, the names Leviticus and the Levites. Only Levites could serve as priests. And the book of Leviticus contains instructions to them from God regarding their worship, purification, holiness, and redemption. If we were to try to find a key verse of the whole book, we might look at Leviticus chapter 20 that was within our scripture reading this morning. In Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 26 it says, And you shall be holy to me, for I the Lord am holy, and have separated you from the peoples, that you should be mine. The people, the Israelites, and in particular the Levites, were to be holy. Which basically means what it says in the, the middle of the verse. Separated from the peoples. Separated from other nations that did not recognize God, that did not serve God. They were to be separated from them. That you should be mine. The Israelites were to be the Lord's. Whereas other nations had dedicated themselves to serving idols and serving leaders and people and things of that nature, God's people were different because they would serve Him. They would serve Him. Which gives us a, a basic meaning of the book, a, a basic uh, idea that this is a journey of service. Leviticus is all about serving the Lord and how the people were to serve the Lord, the commandments of God and how they were to follow them. Leviticus is all about that. Unfortunately, when we get to the book of Leviticus, sometimes we get bogged down by 
all the laws and trying to understand them. And, and a lot of people will get through Genesis and Exodus okay, but when they get to Leviticus, it's a little harder for us to understand. It's a little harder for us to comprehend. But it was important that God's people be separated from other nations. And this is one way in which they were separated in their worship and in their service of God. We already began by looking at the first few chapters. We looked at chapters 1 through 7. And we began by looking at the offerings of the priests on behalf of God's people and some of the ordinances that pertain to those offerings, the, the, the things that, that regarded those offerings, how they were to be sacrificed. And so today we're going to pick up with chapter 8. And I've divided each section into chapters. Uh, actually, this came from a book. And so I just kind of followed the outline that was given. But we're looking at chapters 8 through 10, which, would, which regard the priesthood. Chapters 11 through 15, the clean and the unclean. Chapter 16 is the atonement. And chapters 17 through 27, which we won't spend a lot of time on those, uh, but they do regard the holy days. So we begin with, today, with the priesthood. We begin with the priesthood. As we pick up in Leviticus chapter 8, and I would encourage you to follow along in your Bibles. Uh, most of the lesson will come from the book of Leviticus, so you can just thumb through the chapters and follow along with the verses. But Leviticus chapter 8, we see that these chapters, uh, chapters 8 through 10, follow up the instructions of Exodus 29. So if you want to go back and read that later, uh, a lot of the things that we find here are, are similar or something that is related to that. But we pick up with Leviticus chapter 8, and let's begin reading at verse 6. Leviticus chapter 8 and verse 6. Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. And he put the tunic on him, girded him with the sash, clothed him with the robe, and put the ephod on him. And he girded him with the intricately woven band of the ephod, and with it tied the ephod on him. Then he put the breastplate on him. And he put the Urim and the Thummim in the breastplate. And he put the turban on his head. Also on the turban, on its front, he put the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 10, Also Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. He sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times, anointed the altar and all its utensils and the laver and its base to consecrate them. And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Verse 13, Then Moses brought Aaron's sons and put tunics on them, girded them with sashes and put hats on them as the Lord had commanded Moses. Let's go all the way down to verse 30. 
Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood which was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron, on his garments, on his sons, and on the garments of his sons with him. And he consecrated Aaron, his garments, his sons, and the garments of his sons with him. And here we see a, a basic rundown of the responsibilities of the priests and the people to them. The people assembled in the door of the tabernacle and Aaron and his sons were washed, robed, and anointed with oil. Sacrifices were also offered before the people and before God. And we'll see why in a little bit. Besides offering these sacrifices, though, the Levites were also given another responsibility. In Leviticus chapter 10, Leviticus 10 and verse 11, we read this. And that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. They did not have the authority to make the statutes, to make the commandments themselves. But they did have the authority and they did have the responsibility of teaching the people the law and what they needed to know about it. It was important that the people understood the law. And that's important for us because even today we, we have an example before us of how important it is for us to understand the law of God. For us to understand the, the statutes in which we are under today. We are under the ordinances of the New Testament. And we are to follow them. But we must know them. A lot of people, I feel like a lot of people don't regard the law and the word of God as they should. Interestingly enough, I, I was reading in Nehemiah this week. And in Nehemiah chapter 8, I believe it is, where Ezra is giving the law. Ezra the priest is standing before the people and he is reading the law to them. And you find a few verses later that the Levites are helping the people to understand the law. That was part of their responsibility. So even after captivity, even trying to come back and do the things that God wanted them to do, they needed to have an understanding of the law. And the Levites were in charge of helping them to understand the law. It is also in these chapters that we read of the sin of Nadab and Abihu. In Leviticus chapter 10 verse 1. Leviticus chapter 10. Let's begin reading at verse 1. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. 
So Aaron held his peace. I can only imagine what was in Aaron's heart at the death of his sons. And we may not completely understand the reasons why, but if you'll notice, we do have a reason that they were struck dead that is given in the previous chapter. Look with me at Leviticus chapter 9. And let's look at verses 23 and 24. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Now let's go back to verse 1 of Leviticus 10. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. We might look at this today and think, well, that's a, a pretty serious punishment for them offering a, a different kind of fire than what the Lord had commanded. But we see in verse 24 that the fire was to come from the Lord. And as the fire from Nadab and Abihu did not come from the Lord, it was a fire not commanded by God, and therein lies their sin against Him. And it was a serious offense that they had, to, had offered a, a fire that was, was not commanded by the Lord. It was a serious enough offense that they were struck dead and it was an example to all the people that they were to do the will of God. That they were to do the will of God overall. And it's a good reminder to us of how important it is for us to do the will of God in all that we say and do. That we not add to, that we not take away from the Word of God and from what He has authorized us to do. But we move on to chapters 11 through 15 where we read of the clean and the unclean. And we won't take the time to read through each little detail, each little thing that was clean and unclean, but I do want us to have a basic understanding of the meaning of these chapters. God's people were meant to be set apart from the rest of the world. They were meant to be set apart from the peoples of the world, those that did not serve God. In Leviticus chapter 11 and verse 45, Leviticus 11 and verse 45 says, For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. And over and over again, God tells His people this, that they should be holy, for He is holy. That they should be set apart because He is not the same as the gods in which other peoples serve. God gave His people instructions as to what things should be clean and what things should be unclean. Now I think it's deserving of our attention 
to look at some of the reasons that might be given for this distinction between clean and unclean. One possibility is for health and hygienic purposes. Some clean animals, however, can carry disease and some unclean animals do not. So it seems a little maybe far-fetched that this is all based on health and hygiene. Although there may be some truth to that. Another possibility is that some animals considered sacred by other nations were set apart as unclean so as to keep God's people from worshiping them. However, this could not be true in all scenarios as some clean animals were also worshipped by other nations. A third possibility. The nature of certain animals was to be avoided by God's holy people such as owls flying at night and them being unclean because these are representative of works of darkness. Pigs wallowing in mud and eating garbage. You might think of filthy lifestyles. A fourth possibility, the only reasons for which God would define anything as clean or not clean is simply to prove that He is God. However, God has reasons for every other command, so why would He not have specific reasons for these? In other words, we don't know the exact reason that God gave this distinction between clean and unclean animals. Whether we realize His reasons or not, we are still expected to obey. The Levites, the people, were expected to obey in regard to unclean and clean animals. And so we are still expected to obey as the Israelites were to obey them. And of course, we don't have to look at the clean and unclean animals as this is part of the old law, but we do have to look at God's Word. We do have to understand it, and we do have to obey, whether we understand completely the reasons that God has given the commands that He has or not. The instructions of Leviticus chapters 11 through 15 specified clean versus unclean animals, foods permitted versus those that weren't, as we read in chapter 11. We find rituals following childbirth in chapter 12, laws concerning leprosy in chapters 13 and 14, and laws of bodily discharge in chapter 15. And again, in Leviticus chapter 15 and verse 31, Leviticus 15 and verse 31, Thus you shall separate the children of Israel from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness when they defile my tabernacle that is among them. The people were to keep themselves clean. And that's basically the point that we're looking at. They were to keep themselves clean and pure before the Lord in every way possible, especially in the ways that He had commanded. Come to chapter 16. 
We read of the atonement. Chapter 16, the atonement. I actually want us to, to take a, a brief excursion from Leviticus. And let's look at the book of Hebrews for a moment. The book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And here we read of the limitations of the sacrifices that the people offered. They did have their limitations. Hebrews 10 and verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. We see a limitation in the sacrifices that the people were offering. The sacrifices commanded by God. We see that they, the sacrifices, they could not take away completely the sins of the people. And especially as we look at this in regard to Jesus Christ. When we look at Jesus and how He came to this earth and how He sacrificed Himself for us, we see that the atonement for sins is not necessarily in the sacrifices that the people were offering, not in the animal sacrifices, though they were commanded by God. But it's all in connection with the blood of Christ. Looking forward to Christ's coming and to His sacrifice, we see that the sins were taken away from the people through the sacrifice of Jesus. And for us to separate those two, we would be missing something. The Day of Atonement was a day in which the people recognized their sin and did things commanded of God, did the things commanded of God in order to atone for their sin. We move back to Leviticus chapter 16. We find in summary... In purpose, the day of atonement. This shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all. Whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. Though they sacrificed as they were commanded, the only way these sins could truly be forgiven was through the shed blood of the perfect sacrifice, Christ. We'll go back to Hebrews 10 for a moment, verses 11 through 18. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice 
for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. Then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Christ died for the sins of all people of every nation and of every time. Hebrews 10.10 By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all. In Leviticus 16 we also read of the scapegoat. The scapegoat. In Leviticus 16 and beginning with verse 20. Leviticus 16 and verse 20. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. The scapegoat was presented with the symbolism of Christ's sacrifice. Two goats were presented, one for sacrifice and the other for release. As the innocent goat must die for the sins of the people, so blood of the innocent Christ would be sacrificed for the sins of all. Yet we, as the scapegoat, are set free from our sins, but only because of the innocent, only because the innocent will die in our place. Leviticus 16 and verse 10, But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. The passing of the high priest through the veil Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 12 was the shadow of what was to come. It is only on this day that the high priest was to enter into the most 
holy place. In his death, Christ passed through the veil, and the veil of the temple was rent, as we read in Matthew 27 and verses 50 and 51. And in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 24, For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. And finally we come to the last part of the book of Leviticus, the holy days, in chapters 17 through 27. We're not going to again take the time, we don't have the time to go back and look at each of these individually. But I will give you a list of these if you want to write them down and go back and look at these later. You are certainly welcome to do so. A number of holy days are specified in the remaining chapters. Number one, there was the Sabbath. Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 3. And this is also found in Exodus chapter 20 verses 8 through 11. Number two, there is the Passover. Leviticus 23 and verse 5. And this is also found in Exodus chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. Number three, the Feast of First Fruits, which is found in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 9 through 14. And then we have the Feast of Weeks, number four, also known as Pentecost. Leviticus 23, verses 15 through 22. Number five, the Feast of Trumpets, which is found in Leviticus 23, verses 23 through 25. We have the Day of Atonement, Leviticus 23, verses 26 through 32. Number seven, we have the Feast of Tabernacles, found in Leviticus 23, Verses 33 through 44. Number 8, the Sabbath of the seventh year, which is found in Leviticus chapter 25, verses 1 through 7. We have the year of Jubilee, found in Leviticus chapter 25, verses 8 through 55. And certainly this isn't meant to be a deep study of the book of Leviticus, just something that, that you can use as a guide maybe to help you in your reading of the book of Leviticus. To help you understand the important points that are made in the book of Leviticus. But again we find this book to be a journey of service. It's all about the service of the people. And in particularly the service of the Levites to God and to the people. As the people were to serve God in a very specific way, following the specific commandments of God, following the authority of His law and His will. So we are reminded 
that we too are to be in the service of the Lord. And we too are to serve God according to the authority of His Word and His will. Nadab and Abihu are good reminders to us of, of those that fail to follow in the authority of God's will. And they were punished for their sin. You know, it's just as easy for us today to fall into the same temptation of Nadab and Abihu and to serve the Lord not according to the authority of His Word and His will, but according to our own desires, which is exactly what they did. There's a reason that we worship in the way that we do. There's a reason that we honor the authority of what God has said. And we also honor the absence of what He didn't say. There's a reason that we do things decently and in order. There's a reason that we partake of the Lord's Supper each first day of the week because it is according to the authority of God's Word. There's a reason that we sing only offering hymns of praise and, and not using instruments because we are honoring the absence of what God didn't say in the New Testament. There's a reason that we worship and serve God in the way that we do. And it's because we recognize the importance of doing so. The importance of knowing God's will and doing God's will. Just as the Israelites did long, long ago. I don't know where you stand in your relationship with Christ. I don't know if you stand as a Christian. It, maybe it is that you have obeyed the Word of God. Maybe you've obeyed His will. Faith. Repentance. Confession of that faith. And baptism for the remission of your sins. Maybe you've not remained faithful. Maybe you need to come back. But certainly if it is your need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we want to give you that opportunity. And we will, as we always do. We offer you that opportunity now to come as together we stand and as we sing.